it's my lifestyle, it's my lifestyle. <laughs> welcome, welcome to the Grounds Crew, a podcast covering all things baseball. We're brought to you by Baseball Lifestyle. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Grounds Crew. It is a beautiful day. It is a special day. It's a holiday for me. It is opening day for MLB. Bill, I am excited. I got, I'm I got super energy. excited. You have big energy. I'm, You're I'm mostly stoked. excited because Francisco Lindor signed. Yes, it, it was a, a good 24 hours. I honestly, I, I had lost hope. I went to bed with no hope. I thought, okay, maybe we'll renegotiate in the offseason, whatever. But they, they wanted to bring us right to the end, 1130. Cool, we signed him. 10 years, $341 million starting in 2022. What do, what do you think about it? Uh, so why, why the $1 million at the end? Uh, well, Tatis was $340 million. So he's he's got <laughs> the biggest contract this offseason for a shortstop. Yep. And I I like the poetry of that. Mm-hmm. Uh, S- Steve Big Daddy Cohen yep. uh, opened up the wallet, literally looked at him and was like, all right, so like I get to pay you a third of a billion dollars over 10 years, and I'm going to make $3 billion this year? Mm-hmm. No problem. Say no more. Yeah, I got you. In the time, in the time that Lindor makes three hundred and forty-one million dollars, uh, Stephen Cohen will make somewhere in the ballpark of like thirty to fifty billion. So like, not a bad investment. I love that they opened up the pockets. It's yeah. it's a new era for the Mets. They obviously, and, and I think it's a counter argument. The Mets have always spent money on players, mm-hmm. and anybody who thinks that they haven't spent money on players is not paying attention their problem has been they've had a mix of unlucky signings Mm -hmm. and a mix of high expectations not being met yeah the Mets swung a massive trade for uh Johan Santana Mm -hmm. and Johan got a huge amount of money at the time yep and he was great for the Mets However, he wasn't as great as he had been, mm-hmm. and he fell off the map very quickly. Well, I mean, after he threw his no-hitter, he really plummeted. And it, it was it 157 pitches? Something ridiculous like that, and it, it ended his career pretty much, but I, I guess you could say he went out on a high note. What's interesting, I didn't even realize this. I hadn't looked back at the Mets' contracts and stuff. Their biggest signing, money-wise, was David Wright for eight years at 138. Yes. Like, so we're, we're sending it to the moon now. Well, so again, that, and that's what I'm saying. <laughs> it was a different time. At though. the time, yes. that amount of money that they were paying to David Wright mm-hmm. amounted to one of the biggest contracts in baseball. Yep. Right? And when you also apply it, David didn't earn that money back. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. And Dave was making $20 million a year at the end of his contract, and he wasn't playing. Yeah. Now, he had spinal stenosis. He had some other injuries. His career was cut short, mm-hmm. sadly. Yeah. Um, because up until the point that David Wright got injured, he was the the best third baseman in the game, not maybe named Alex Rodriguez. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and he gave Alex Rodriguez a run for his money in other areas. Yep. So Dave was a great player, but the Mets also paid Jason Bay. It didn't turn didn't turn out. Yeah. They paid a bunch of money to Pedro Martinez, mm-hmm. and Pedro was a really solid player, but he wasn't a superstar. Yep. So everybody looked at the Mets and it was just like they're not paying anybody they're not and they were mm-hmm. right they just weren't getting the, the reward yeah. they, they signed Cespedes for 30 million dollars a year 
Cespedes is out here chasing wild boars on his farm mm -hmm. and absolutely gets mauled and mangles his leg and is not the same dude. Yeah. Yeah. The money just hasn't been well spent. So I think I'm excited to see a change of pace that not only did they spend the money, they spent it on a guy in the middle of his prime who almost everybody agrees is that stud. Um, and they, they overpaid. Mm -hmm. And I will I'll stand by that they overpaid for the player. I liked their original offer to him. I thought that was I think I projected that to be roughly what they were going to go for. Yeah. And, and the rest of the baseball world was like, yeah, that's a great deal. You're going to be you're going to make a ton of money in New York. Besides that, yep. you're going to be in a, a, a good culture there. Great piece. <clears throat> and I, I agree. I, I but once he asked for three eighty five, I was like, okay. I want him, but not that bad. He knew what he was doing. Yeah, and I think... The 385 was fake. Yes, and I, I, I figured he was just trying to push the needle a little bit more, and, and I think where they got to is at least a decent in-the-middle spot. Um, it 30, still allows them it, to do 32. stuff. $32.5 million is still an overpay. Yes, absolutely. It is. It, but. Especially this late in his career. Mm -hmm. right? Like uh, we, we, we look at Robinson Cano, another contract that the Mets have on their books mm -hmm. that just isn't what we would all have wanted it to be. Yeah. And Robbie's now in his late 30s. When he signed this contract, when he was Francisco's age, mm -hmm. it looked like a great deal. But you knew the back half was going to be you know, bad. We don't know where money's going to be. We don't know if guys are going to – like the average salary in MLB is going to be $15 million. Mm -hmm. Like I have no idea where we're going to be in 10 years where we get there, right? You look back. We look back at the David Wright contract and him signing for eight years – how much? 138. So him signing for eight years, 138 was a big contract then. That was a big deal. Right. He like insured it after he got started getting hurt because it and was so expensive. And you fast forward – 12 years or whatever it's been since he signed that mm -hmm. or or i don't even know when he signed that um you fast forward from when he signed that and now we're talking about 300 plus million dollar deals so if we're talking 10 years from now 600 million dollar deals mm -hmm. this deal is going to be an overpay but not crazy mm -hmm. um so th there's the hope who do you who do you think would be that person who's who's young right now who's going to come up to their contract i have somebody in mind Meaning what? Like, who's who's the next guy that's going to be getting the Mike Trout contract, the biggest of all of them? Oh, my Lanta. I don't know who's coming up free agency-wise, but I know who, like, I think, and I've talked about on this show, who I think is going to be the next young guy to sign. Okay. And it's Soto. Yep, that's exactly what uh, I was thinking. Acuna, I think, is already locked up. Yes, he signed. For pennies on the dollar. Yep. Uh, he's looking at the contracts that are currently getting handed out to Tatis. He's upset. Mm -hmm. If Soto has another season like last year, um, he's going to sign 14 years, $500 million. Yeah, I was thinking something 450 to 475. Because yeah, so, yeah. at that point in time, like you're very clearly a better hitter mm -hmm. than Tatis. Yep. Same age as Tatis. Mm -hmm. Signing later, you're closer to free agency. Yep. Like, you're not buying out as many arbitration years. Like, Tatis, you're buying out a bunch of years where you weren't going to pay him a lot. Right. You know, so it was beneficial to him in the short term. Mm -hmm. Soto's like two years away from starting to hit arbitration that, that matters. Um, you're going to have to buy out more. So if he if he has a 1,200 OPS and he's the best hitter in the game, mm -hmm. and he's got those, like we talked about last episode, he's got those those Barry Bonds vibes. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, I, I, he's going to have something stupid. Yeah. He's going to have a, a, a crazy contract. Who is the who's the guy that you think that you you had on the top of your head? That it was Soto. It was Soto. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was Soto because he 
we, we talked about it last episode. He could very, very well have the potential to be the best player in baseball. And we see what the best player in baseball just got paid, and, and by the time he has that opportunity to get his bag, it could be a crazy number. So, Does Lindor live up to the contract? <sighs> I like to think so. I in think, the short term? In the short term, I think yes. I think he's going to do a lot of great stuff for the Mets. He's going to be a huge upgrade at shortstop, obviously. Um, the Mets have a lot of great pieces this year, so we might be able to see him work for them in the postseason as well. Um, which could be extremely beneficial. So, yeah, I think it will. I, obviously, we talked about length of contract. He wanted 12 years. Obviously, at the end of the deal, he's going to be in his mid-30s, so it may not be as valuable then. But by then, there could be opportunity for him to be the DH. He could sling over to third. He could sling over to second. So there, there could be spots for him to still be a contributor for the team. Um, but I think short-term – Amazing signing, great for the team. Everybody's excited, loves the, how he impacts the culture there. The fans love him. I think it was very interesting, though, that a lot of people were saying when this was all happening, he almost lost the fans' support before the season started because if he didn't sign this, Mets fans were going to be furious. Yeah. I know, I was I was sad when it wasn't happening. Yeah, I think, I think there was a really weird moment there where we were going to see a player um, not – live up to it mm -hmm. and before he even started hit a ball yep uh and and everybody was like well we just traded all these guys we did all this stuff yep. you know we could have we, we could still be starting Jimenez and we'd have long term I actually didn't care as a Mets fan mm -hmm. if he signed or not if they win a World Series this year if Fair he enough. came in right. and they won a World Series this year because their yep. team is absolutely gross and everybody looks like they're they're like Pete Alonso looks like he's about to have a bounce back. Yep. Um, Dom Smith looks phenomenal. Dom Smith looks good. Conforto's Conforto. Nimmo's Nimmo. Um, you have a situation where, like, this Jeff McNeil's going to be Jeff McNeil. He always bats 300. Like, yep. this team was looking good. Right now, projections, baseball reference, has uh, Francisco Lindor at an 820 OPS. Okay. With that 820 OPS, they're they're saying 28 home runs, 18 stolen bases. Is that player worth that money? What did you say? 18 bombs, 18 stolen bases, 20, 20, 28 bombs, 28 bombs, 18. Stolen Up until bases. last year, he had had three straight years of 30 home runs. So he hit 33, 38, 32. And then last year hit eight in the shortened season. Right. But his batting average was also the lowest batting average of his entire career. Mm -hmm. uh, and his on-base percentage was about similar to the year before, but he didn't slug nearly the same. He had mm -hmm. a 750 OPS last year, which was his worst season in baseball. Right. Now, how much of that, again, we talked, we yep. how much of that is the fact that it was a shortened year? Did you have access to training the same way? Did you have... Like, were you off-center? Was mm -hmm. he thinking about getting traded? Were, were there a lot of things that were there? Right now, spring training, he's got an 1,100 OPS. I great. do not think 1,100 is where he's going to stay. No, but, but he looked great. Um, I mean, if he's if he's a low 800 OPS guy, the Mets are really good. Yep. He's going to be really good. The team will play really well. He won't be worth $34 million. But we did talk about it as well. The Mets have a lot of great bats on their team that are going to add, like you said, 28 home runs. If he's hitting 28 home runs, we got a bunch of other dudes that are also well, So how 20. many guys – so I said – I called this out two years ago, mm -hmm. and it was it was close, but it didn't end up. 
I said that the Mets were going to hit more home runs than the Yankees. Mm-hmm. Right now, who hits more home runs, Mets or Yankees? Well, they, they lost Luke Voigt uh, already for a couple weeks, so there, there goes my take for the beginning of the year. Uh, it's okay. It's, it's Some fine. people have great takes. Listen. Uh, Shohei Otani. Yeah. Um, uh, right now, I think the Mets ha- very possibly could hit more. Alonzo, Dom Smith, Lindor, Davis. Um, I say Dom Smith, wh- whatever. James McCann can get to 20. Like, <laughs> So how many guys on the Mets hit 25 home runs? I could say I could see at least three. Does McNeil hit twenty five home runs? No, no, mm-hmm. short. Where was he last year? Uh, I'm not sure. See, I, I, think, I think he was like thirteen to fifteen. See, and that's my thing. I think McNeil's power is trending up, and his batting average is trending down intentionally because they're asking him to elevate more. Okay, and so that's I fine. Think, I would love to see that too. I, I don't want to see his batting average drop below three hundred. Obviously. So Dom, so him in 2019, he hit twenty three home runs. Dom did. No, McNeil. McNeil, 23? 23. Okay. So does McNeil hit 25 home runs? Sure. I'm Let's say, say yes. Optimistically, yes. Okay, so we'll go optimistically. He's going to bat 310 with 25. Conforto. Yes. Dom Smith. Yep. Uh, Pete Alonzo. Yep. Francisco Lindor. Sure, yeah. So we're at 125 already? So so that's, that's just if they're all hitting that's exactly all, 25. Yeah, yeah. Yep. We assume there's going to be a few guys on that list who hit 30. Yep. Um. That's a lot of home runs. That's a lot, a lot of, of home runs. And that's a that's a very – if you have five guys who you think are going to hit 25 home runs on a single team, you, 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 you've you got a team. Yeah. Um, and none of these guys are going to be, you know, barren wastelands of batting average. Maybe Pete. Mm-hmm. But, but he, uh, Pete looks freaking great. Pete looks like – He looked – Pete. What, what I saw – I saw one of his at-bats in spring training that made me think, okay, Pete's back. That Someone threw him a fastball at his chin, like 95 – and he took it 420. Yeah. And that's what was beating him last year was the fastballs up and in. Yep. That's how they were they were shutting him down because yep. they thought that was the answer. And the fact that he's making that correction this early gave me gave me some hope. Yeah, I think last year he didn't have enough uh, he everyone knew that the season was shorter. So I think guys got into a situation where they fell into a hole over a 15 game window mm-hmm. and they were too stressed to adjust appropriately yeah in a longer season where you're looking at it in like 15 games is less than 10 percent of what we're going to do mm-hmm. it's like all right wait, wait wait what i need to cover this hole well then what are pitchers going to do they're going to go back to going outside yeah right they're going to start mixing and matching and it's how everybody makes adjustments he just didn't look like he made any adjustment last year yeah you know he was like i'm going to keep waiting for you to throw something away mm-hmm. and just no one did yeah and it's like pete like you got to take a breath and relax and do it. Delete all social media, which I still think is a terrible move. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I mean, Pete's gonna be a good player. I don't I, obviously. I, nobody can ever say fifty home run guy again. Mm-hmm. You know, it's hard. Judge is still waiting to hit. I think forty home runs. I don't even know how many thirty home run seasons he's had since he won the Rookie of the Year. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, so so it's it's interesting. I think the Mets the Mets are a very very good team. We obviously have a ton of hope for them. Uh, do you think they're better than their crosstown rival? Uh, no one would agree with me, but I would say, yeah, I'd say they're very comparable. I think their pitching staffs gives them an edge in that category. I don't know how you can look at the Yankees and think they're better than the Mets. I don't know either, but every single poll I've seen has the Yankees as like the third best team in baseball. I, I get it. And, and, and I think I, that more has to do with the division that they're in. Yeah. And because I, the Mets division is better. Yes, and I think the 
the Yankees' offense, everyone will say, is better, but we, we were just talking about it's it. It's not. It's it's probably not going to be, if not the same. Well, they have accidental home runs. We talk sure, about that all the time. Sure, it's a smaller yard, right? Whatever. You got um, a guy who who who's Aaron Judge's size, who's you know seven feet tall, nine thousand pounds, mm-hmm. and he accidentally will hiccup a ball over the fence. Yep. You know that's an out if he's in City Field. Yeah. You know, and and you get some of those cheap home runs, and then ultimately guys look like they're better. Perfect example is DJ LeMahieu. He was never the home run hitter he's been for the Yankees. Mm-hmm. A lot of that has to do with short fields inside that division. Um, so I, I just don't think I don't think I can actually look at that team and say, "Wow, where are they better?" Uh, I think the Mets might be a manager away from being the team. Mm-hmm. We don't know who Rojas is. Yeah, and I think that's the bigger challenge. You can't judge them off of last year. Right. But I would say. Every single person would say they substantially underperformed last year. Yes, definitely. What I did see something interesting. There was a lot of um, projections from uh, MLB writers that had Rojas as one of the managers of the year. Well, so. again, <laughs> if they went from last year being yeah. third or fourth in their division, and this year they win the division, mm-hmm. you you got to the manager's going to luck himself into it. Right. My biggest thing that I have to look at with Rojas is. When the rubber meets the road, are you making the right decisions? Are you tweaking the right things? Are you keeping guys motivated? Can you pull performance out of people? And we just don't know that about Rojas yet. So like, uh, hold on, it, breaking, news. Breaking, breaking news. Breaking news. Live on the air. Mets Nationals postponed due to COVID nineteen issues. Wow. Wow. That's unfortunate. And also Red Sox Orioles. And also Dang. Red Sox Orioles. Dang. Dennis just sent that into us. Dark. I was very excited to see DeGrom Scherzer. That is Wowzers. really unfortunate. Wowzers. Who do you think got hit? I don't know. I'm not sure. It was one of the Nats players. The Nats players. I oh, I did see that actually on Twitter. No. I was going to say Nationals. I didn't think it was the Mets. Uh, okay. Well, I guess we got to wait another day to see the Mets in action. RIP. Yeah. RIP to expectations and hope. That's fine. Now, again, sad that we won't get to see them today. Yeah. But also good. Because there's opening day everywhere. We'll be able to see exactly. a bunch of guys like and see how guys are doing. 15 games on. Very excited. We, we can see how the, the Shohei Otani watch starts to go. Yep. What time are they on? They're so, on the clock, 10 o'clock tonight against so the White Sox. That'll be a good game. Excited for baseball in general. Yep. So, I mean, what are you most hopeful for with this season? Like, if you had to – this season was a great baseball season, not a great fandom season for you. Mm-hmm. Great baseball season if what things happen. Um, what things happen? I think just being able to make it through the season, and and I I've already seen like in the the preseason events and stuff, MLB is really doing a good job of like pushing the players, creating hype for the season. I know everyone's excited just to have a full season of baseball again, yeah. be able to go to games, all that stuff. I'm definitely excited to go back to games as much as possible. Um, yeah, I mean, speaking of, even about them entertaining things, like the MLB Players Association is doing a better job of pushing their guys, moving things out there. Yeah, definitely. Um, they've got the MLB clubhouse now, and they're yep. doing things there. Yep. And and now they're trying to take a more vested interest in what these players are doing off the field yeah. to build the brand. And I think that's a huge step forward for everyone, mm-hmm. you know, us included, because yep. it gives everybody an opportunity to do more with those players, yes. to create more with the guys, and to open up the game to a younger generation that needs it. So I, I am hopeful that this year is one of the years where MLB takes takes the chains off and allows the guys to start being themselves. Yep. 
I think we've all been feeling that pressure. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Tristan McKenzie, our guy, right? BL, BL sponsored athlete, is go, has been pushed forward by the Indians. They're putting him up more on social media. They're posting every day about guys. Yeah. Like all of the social medias are doing a better job of bringing the game to life. Mm-hmm. I really am looking forward to what else changes this year. And does the do the players find a new platform to really drive themselves forward and, and to get in front of fans and to be where they want to be? So I'm looking for a change in the game. Like when the yep. NFL transitioned from no fun league to go ahead and do celebrations and we got cameras in the end zone. Mm-hmm. It's like you could feel tangibly that they changed. Yes. And it's made the NFL better. Mm-hmm. How does MLB do the same thing? Yeah, they definitely were making some strides in spring training with that. I saw a lot of different content of just them being more one-on-one with players, showing their personalities, doing interviews mid-game, stuff like that. And they got some amazing content out of it. So many great interviews, different funny things that really show you who the players are. And I think that's exactly what they need. It's going to help them grow the game, grow the fandom for just individual players, teams. Um, and I think it's exactly what they need. And I, I love what you're saying there. I think it's good. Any players... Like, I know we've talked about everybody else. Is there any player that you've heard about recently that really has gotten you, like, man, baseball? Um, besides Francisco Lindor? Um, I mean, if you want to talk about Lindor, go ahead and talk more about Lindor. I mean, Lindor. listen, we, we, hold on. But before we even go back to Lindor, Shohei Otani is definitely on our radar, obviously. Yeah. Um, I keep more and more people are hopping on the train. Dennis was saying before Dallas Braden was talking about how he's on the Dallas MVP Braden, wave. Dallas fan of the show. Yep. Um, he's... He looks good, and I really hope no injuries happen. I hope only health for him because I think he's got the potential to be an MVP. It, it, it's very possible, especially what we talked about. If he does some of the things that would give him one of the greatest seasons ever, it would just be incredible to watch. And maybe it gives the Angels a chance to be in the postseason, which I think they need. I think they need it too. I think it would be great to see Trout actually move to that next level. Yep. Um, a guy I'm ex- I'm excited to see, and I, I want to see if what we saw last year is real, is Giolito. Yep. Uh, I want to see who, who he is and where he goes, because uh, I think that you're always looking who's going to be that next dominant pitcher, who's that guy. Um, the other thing that I saw an interesting take the other day, and I didn't know this, is do you know who holds the fastest average velocity in an MLB season as a starting pitcher? Jacob Degrom, probably nope. no. Syndergaard, okay. Syndergaard is one and three, okay. However, when uh, Degrom came in, his average fastball velocity was ninety four point six miles an hour. Well, he's only been trending up. Last year was ninety nine miles an hour. This year already, in spring training, mm-hmm. he's averaging ninety nine point three miles an hour. Yep. So Degrom this year looks like if again health being all in. Sure. DeGrom looks like he's going to have the the fastest average fastball velocity in the history of the game since it's been tracked. Yep. Um, on top of that, on top of that, he's added his top mo- uh, max out velocity last year was 102.7. He's going to throw over 103 miles an hour in the summer. It's very possible. He was hitting 102 in spring training like a couple times in each game. What is he? So I, I was talking with somebody this morning. Is he a cyborg from the future? Or do we think he's an alien? Is he Superman? Like, how has DeGrom at age 33 gotten physically more dominant? 
Because um, I have theories. I don't think it's physically more dominant. I think it has to do with him understanding how his body works and just becoming a better pitcher skill-wise, understanding how... But guys to... don't do that at 33. Maybe. So there's, an, there's outliers. Jacob deGrom is but the this answer. Is, this is not just an outlier. There is, there is, hey, a guy goes from throwing 90 to throwing 95. Mm-hmm. We've seen that before. You have a guy, again, staying with the Mets, a guy like Dylan G., who was a 90, 88, 89-mile-an-hour guy, then all of a sudden he's humming a 94-mile-an-hour fastball. That changed his entire trajectory of his career. Right. We're talking about a dude who's now, was used to peak out at 97, is now going to peak out at 103. And he's peaking out at 103, not after coming up at 21 at 26. He's now this monster. Mm-hmm. We're talking about a dude who's 33, whose velocity is more he th- this is unheard of. This Absolutely. isn't just an outlier. This is like you got to throw this away. This is an anomaly. Yes. This isn't an outlier. It's an anomaly. And that's my point. Like, what can we justifiably think about Degrom continuing to get better? And I have two two things that I I, I latched onto as reasons. One, analytics have never impacted sports performance better than I've seen with pitching. Mm-hmm. And I have a unique insight into development of athletes and sports, right? Yeah. So with that being the case, vertical jumps have gone up, but vertical jumps haven't gone up in a performance setting where it's changed dramatically what guys, what we see people do, right? Michael Jordan was still taking off from the foul line and doing a dunk, and guys are still struggling to take off from a foul line and dunk. Mm-hmm. So the performance hasn't elevated to anything else. People will tell you a hundred, uh, like the hundred meters, the record used to be in the ten second range. Now you can't even get to the Olympics if you're not below ten seconds. High school kids are running under ten seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, the difference is, is that the actual uh, track is different than it was back in the day. Right. Guys used to run on actual like uh, ash. Right. Gra- like now they got the bouncy rubber tracks. You have and, bouncy rubber. Yeah. You also marathons. You have guys who have performance sneakers that Nike put those out there. Ni- they're one percent, yeah. and like people started to knock off times. Yeah. When we look at baseball, nothing really has changed. Home run numbers—they were higher in the '90s than they are now. Yeah. Right. They, they've started to elevate because of the fact that the analytics have changed where guys go. Mm-hmm. But we're not seeing necessarily a dramatic shift in exit velocities from what was even capable before. Right. We're seeing velocity numbers yes. that we've never seen before. And I think that it, for the first time in, in, in things in business, we talk about key performance indicators. What's a key piece of information that actually makes a difference? And I would tell you that the thing that has changed the most is spin efficiency. Mm-hmm. I think the introduction of spin efficiency and training modalities to impact spin efficiency has been the single largest alteration to North American sports of anything that's ever happened. And that's a bold thing to come out and say. Yeah. But with guys focusing on their spin rates so dramatically, you have seen elevated velocities. And if guys are having very much so better mechanics mm-hmm. because of analytics, it's the first thing that I've really noticed that outside of like in basketball, guys can take better shots, mm-hmm. right? We know where their higher percentage shot is. 
guys didn't necessarily become dramatically better shooters. Guys who used to shoot 40%, yep. they're scoring more because they're taking more, right? Right. We're seeing a massive jump in velocity and pitching capability. I think all of that comes back to that. And then the other thing is, I think nobody knew how hard he threw. So he was a shortstop at Stetson. Right. Then he tears his, his UCL, has to get TJ. His next time he pitches is coming off of TJ, mm -hmm. probably not all the way turned up, late 20s round draft pick, goes into the Mets minor league system, the most innings he's ever thrown in his life. Velocity dips towards the end of a year. You're not able to sustain your best self, so we don't know where you're at, but you're now already 24. Mm -hmm. The next year, you're, but your success is there. Sure. Yeah. Then the next year, you're 25, and you're playing in the MLB, and you surprise everybody, but you're still, that's your, your first full-time big league season. So now that's the first time you've played that many innings, you've pitched that much, you were still very, very successful, but you, he, you, you haven't found you, who you are and where your arm's at. Then all of a sudden, he starts to get good and get consistent. Right. But what, how old was he when he made his debut? 26. So that's my point, right? You get to the point that he makes a debut at 26. So your first MLB season, I can't anticipate that your average velocity is going to be its best. Right, you're going to be You've never command. pitched those many innings. Yep. Then the second year, people are adjusting to you. Mm -hmm. Your velocity should uptick, but you're probably not there. You're probably talking year three where a guy can really like sit back and say, I know how to pitch at this level. I know how to practice for this level. I know how to do it. Mm -hmm. And from that time forward, he's been the, the best pitcher in the game. Yep. And I think that what we're seeing is what you would have seen a guy who was a pitcher in high school, was a pitcher in college, would have done by age 27. Mm -hmm. He's getting at 33 because he's pushed back right. four or five years from what a, a, another player would. Yeah. And I think that's the only way I can conceptualize this because well, I, I don't see a world where we'll ever see this again. That so, a guy who makes his MLB debut at 26 is going to be a Hall of Famer. So, so you think it has to do to some degree with him kind of like saving bullets as a position player mm -hmm. and now really starting to open it up and you're yep. getting yep. – I, I, I agree with that. I think again, it's definitely – If a, he didn't throw his first pitch in college until he was 22 mm – -hmm. Right. Yep. Like, got a healthy arm. You're you're old for that. Yeah. Right. And if you weren't really pitching a lot when you were younger because you were getting recruited to be a shortstop, mm -hmm. you probably weren't doing. Maybe you were closing. And that's how everybody knew you could throw. Right. And your your velo across the diamond was 100 miles an hour. So they're like, hey, you know, if if shortstop doesn't work, we'll just convert you to pitcher. Mm -hmm. So like, he just didn't have any innings. So even once he got drafted as a position player, can we pull up like pull up what his senior year at at Stetson? How many innings? Did Jacob Degrom throw? Because it, I, I think that that's like it, it again. It goes to parents for people who like have their kids trying to perform. Like you don't need your kid to throw as many innings as he needs to. They could play a position and throw the hell out of a ball and learn how to throw that vela. So what was his last year at Stetson? Okay, so eighty-two innings pitched. So let's let's pause right there. Mm -hmm. Eighty-two innings. He now is throwing two hundred and thirty. Yep. So how many years did it take him to get to being able to throw 185-plus innings? Well, I can tell you just based on um, college stats to uh, skipping the minor leagues for a minute, um, he, 
he went from 80, let's say he kind of graduated up, 140 his first year, 191 his second year, 148, and then he got to 200 his fourth year in the league. So, like, that's the thing. I, yep. Like, that. that's the showcase. He hadn't ever done the big boy innings. Right. And you saw the second year he did the big boy innings, the third year his, his, his body fell down a little bit. Right? Because yep. it was that accumulation of volume that he hadn't had. Well, ready so, for this? Yeah. Hold on. The most innings he ever had was 217. Also that year, he won the Cy Young and had a 170 ERA. Again, we know he's disgusting. Yep. Right? But, like, I would say that a lot of his velocity improvements are that during his time in the majors, spin efficiency, things like that have been at the forefront. Mm -hmm. He already had the talent, but now we have better ways of making your arm even better. And because he has less formal training from a young age – he probably was able to make changes to his mechanics easier as an adult. And I know that seems counterintuitive, but if you've been making a kid throw the same way since they're eight, mm -hmm. by the time they get to 28, we're not really making too many adjustments anymore. Yeah, that's a difficult change. But if a guy didn't start to pitch until he was 22, 21, mm -hmm. we probably are going to be able to do some of the other stuff when he's 28, 29. Yep. And I think that's what happened with Jake. He just got to the point that he was allowed to be efficient. I agree. He was allowed to get there. Yep. But, uh, yeah, I mean, dude, bonkers things that he's putting up um I, I i am interested to see him as a player i think he's got the cy young lined up yep because his contemporaries are you know bauer doesn't look like he's going to put that year up again mm -mm. uh so the majority of people don't think he's going to be a cy i young. don't see that being in the in the case and you know i think even the dodgers uh rotation is going to vulture itself mm-hmm because all these guys are going to be trying to compete for a Cy Young. Yeah. How do you choose one of the guys on the team when they all look so close? You know? Yeah. Um, so I think always having that clear guy. Uh, super excited for the season, though. I think this is the most hype that a MLB season has had in Definitely. a long time. Yeah, I think it's because, you know, we had a we got, we got a limited amount last time. Yeah. We, you know, it was whatever. The season was obviously tough to get it all done and whatever, but now we kind of – we're getting back to normal a little bit. We're going to have a full season, a lot of big moves in the offseason. I think everyone's excited top to bottom. It's good. I'm, I'm so psyched to get out there and, and, and see games and just be able to back, back into it. And we're on opening day. Biggest surprise team this year? <sighs> I'm not going to say the Mets. Cause top, of your, top of your – I don't think they'd be a surprise. If no, honestly. Um, top. It's a tough one. Um, maybe – that's a tough one. Uh, maybe the Phillies. I think the Ooh. Phillies are getting slept on a little bit. But I think they could be a wild card team maybe. Um, I think it's going to be super hard for any teams to come out of that division. Yeah, I agree. How, like ready to roll. Because I do think the Marlins are going to be better than everybody gives them credit for. Yep. I don't think that they'll be able to sustain the level of success they had in, in spring training mm -hmm. through a full season. But I think that that team will be better than people think. Um, again, hashtag development mm -hmm. and actually growing players. Uh, a team that I think that I, I I think could be a surprise, and again, it hurts me as a Mets fan, mm -hmm. uh, the Mariners yes. because of Jared Kalenic. Yo, if yeah. Kalenic comes up and he's Mike Trout Jr., mm -hmm. I think that they'll be fun and they'll be surprising. They may make a move here and there. they got a bunch of Mets guys who are first-round picks. Their, their pitching staff could be okay. Yep. Got a got Long Island guy, Justin Dunn, is going to get to throw some innings there mm -hmm. um, and, and show off what he can do. You have Kalenic out there. They, they might be a team that can sneak some surprise mm -hmm. out of people. Um, so Kalenic's a guy I'm, I'm interested to see how he does and if he can shape and alter that organization. Yeah, 
yeah, it should be interesting. I think there's a lot of good young guys that are going to make their way up this year. So hopefully you see like Adley Rushman, Wander Franco, people like that that can really make an impact. So, yeah, we'll see. I'm excited for opening day, guys. Let us know who you're watching. Let us know what you think of the podcast. Make sure you leave us a review and like and subscribe. We will see you in the next episode. Enjoy opening day, guys. Baseball lifestyle. It's my lifestyle. <laughs>